Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Hi, friends. Welcome to Working in Yoga. So this week, I am inviting my amazing and wonderfully good friend, Laurie Schuweiler, onto the podcast. I'm posting our conversation about how yoga can be more accessible, more socially justice and equity forward, and our experiences throughout the pandemic as studio owners, as conference organizers, and so much more. Lurie is so incredibly interesting to listen to. You're not going to want to miss a minute. So without any further ado, here is our conversation. Hi, friends. Welcome to Working in Yoga. This week, I am so excited to have my very fun and delightful friend, Laurie Schueller, on the podcast with me. And Laurie is from The Driftless in Decorah, Iowa. And Laurie, tell us about yourself. Hey, y'all. I am Laurie Schueller. As Rebecca mentioned, um, she, her are my pronouns. I currently reside on Meskwaki, Wapatan, Winnebago land, which is now uh, colonized as Decorah, Iowa. I am the founder and organizer of the Dripless Yoga Festival, something that was uh, kind of born out of the idea to bring these two intersections of this beautiful Dripless topography and this other beautiful practice of yoga together. So uh, the Dripless Yoga Festival is now, right, and I think we'll get more to how it's morphed into this, but is now a equity-forward, yoga-inspired uh, festival here in Decorah every June. That's so cool. So Laurie and I talk a lot about the insanity of running yoga conferences here in, <laughs> in COVID times because I'm also organizing one, one right now that's happening in March. And so... Tell me first, okay, so did you start out as a festival organizer or did you start your yoga profession doing something else? Yeah, no, actually, this is a fun story I like to share uh, often when I'm sharing my journey around to in out of yoga. Um, In my early 20s, I was invited to go to a yoga class at um, kind of a, a corporate yoga studio. And while I was there, and I grew up competing uh, as a competitive figure skater, I played soccer my whole life, like athletics and movement has always been kind of intertwined in my world. And so leaving college, like this felt like maybe the next movement thing I was going to do, um, to stay, to stay active. Right. Cause so frequently we associate yoga with fitness. And, yeah. um, and so I stumbled into this class and was, uh, 
I thought it was so silly. I was like, what is this? And I was giggling and I was being so mature. And the teacher was like, if you can't get it together, you're going to have to leave. I was like, <laughs> oh no, because I love, I, or I, I don't always love following the rules, but I don't like getting caught. Like I don't like being in trouble. It's same. So I like, oh my God. Yes. Same. Right. Right. And so um, that then kind of led me, my my friend at the time, uh, she was like, okay, if you don't like this slow movement, let's go try this thing called Yoga Sculpt. And for those who aren't familiar with Yoga Sculpt, it is kind of this high intensity, often in a hot studio with loud music, the opposite of really what yoga's roots are, but um, in kind of movement, uh, high intensity movement encapsulated in some, in some asana. And so, um, I fell in love. I was hooked. I was like, yes, jump higher. Yes. More push-ups. Yes. All the things give it to me. And that one thing led to another. And, um, what I realized was, is those were the pieces I was really good at. Cause that's what I had done my whole life. I'd been competitive. I had like wanted, you know, I run on high octane. So these were all the things I, I, I knew and was familiar and as I t- continued to burn myself out in yoga sculpt, I found myself craving more of the, I'd get really annoyed if there wasn't a longer shavasana. And I was upset if we didn't get to do any stretching at the end. And so um, I found myself doing, finding myself into more vinyasa classes. Yeah. And so one thing led to another and I got sculpt certified and then 200 hours certified. And we had, my husband had, uh, had moved us to Decor, Iowa because of his job. And I couldn't, and I couldn't find anything that really resonated well with me. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll start teaching some classes here. And so I did. And then I kind of call it the just clause. Like, I'm just going to see if there's a space open in town. I'm just going to see what it costs to get a few bikes. I'm just, you know, like the answer, my mom always taught me, the answer is always no, if you don't ask. And so I was like, so it doesn't hurt to contact the bank. It doesn't hurt to reach out to the owner of the building. And before I knew it, um, I had opened a studio here in Decorah in 2013 called Refuel. And um, in the beginning, there were like 10 classes on the schedule and it was me and three other teachers. And uh, when it subsequently closed in August of 2020, um, prior to prior to me shutting it down in March of 2020, we had 35 classes on the schedule. We we ranged in 10 to 15 teachers at a time. Um, it had really kind of, I I say proudly, very very much nostalgically uh, created quite a community there. Yeah. I think I. I want to talk more about that, about the communities that we create, because I don't think as, especially some people who own brick and mortar spaces, we're all doing so many other things. Like before we started, I was telling um, Larry that we switched softwares at my studio. Like we're doing a billion other things, but we create communities and that's really special. Like talk about that a little bit. That's, yeah. that's my question. Yeah. No, <laughs> I love that. I think, you know, yoga in itself, right, is to yoke, is to connect and to bind. And so um, that in itself, I think, needs to be a primary focus of any kind of studio, right, is how are we connecting and binding with, with folks. And so one thing I really, that was important to me at the studio was that anyone who walked through the door, I could know their name and ask them at least one question about themselves, about them. Like, you know, so, and it might be a follow-up from a conversation we had had previously, or it was simply like, I had a few go-to questions about like, Hey, how did you hear of us? And that often led to 
it was word of mouth or I'm just visiting. And then that led, you know, we could kind of create this dialogue. And just like before this podcast, Rebecca, right, as you and I are chatting, I could feel myself get less nervous, just simply making (laughs) that community connection with you and chatting with you. And so when people walk into these yoga studios, there's this air of and and I think sometimes surrounding yoga communities, there's this air of like, it's not, I can't do it. Right. Like I'm, I can't touch my toes. My hamstrings aren't long enough. I can't stand on my hands. Yes. And so when you can kind of like, just let, you know, like create a community where you feel welcome, you're regardless of performance, which it shouldn't be. Right. But it becomes, I think a more welcoming environment for, for, for folks. I have to tell you, my studio manager and I have jokes about how yoga is the only industry that acts like they've done you a favor by letting you come and participate. Like what's, what is with that y'all? Like, yeah, if you are in a community that acts like Mm -hmm. you're doing your students a favor by allowing them to be there, that's nonsense. Like, no. And you're right. That's the antithesis of yoga. Like we are removing obstacles from our connection with other people. And, and why are we putting those barriers up? Like, why do you have to feel like you need the right pants or you have to know the right person? Like, I don't know if you got this when you had refuel, but even just the other day, I had somebody call the studio and I answered the phone and within three minutes, I, they were what I call a broken yoga person. People who've mm. come somewhere else and been treated so poorly that they have mm. to apologize for existing just to pay me money. And it's, insanity. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't figure out the system while my, and that's part of why we switched just because the old system was really difficult. And I'm so sorry. Can you help me? And I'm really sorry, but can you take the credit card payment over the phone? Like what happened to you? Yes. (laughs) Who's hurt you? Yes. your name? (laughs) (laughs) And so we start talking and turns out she lives 45 minutes from my studio and in between where she lives and where I live, there are seven other yoga studios. And all she kept saying was, I'm so grateful to meet your people. I feel like I'm going to feel so welcomed. Like that's literally my job. (laughs) Thank you. Well, and I think we have to apologize, not have to. There are so many people walking through this world apologizing for existing, right? Yes. And shrinking and yes. trying not to take up space. And, you know, to hear those stories are so heartbreaking when you're coming to a practice that is for all. And all means folks through a variety of, of abilities and disabilities, right? And so uh, removing barriers to create more access for this practice is exactly where, and I, and I think there's momentum going that way, right? I think, I think the top's kind of blown off about over a few things, you know, and the dialogue is open and there's momentum moving in that direction to create more access through physical barriers, financial barriers, all of those things, right? And that's what creates community too, because community doesn't look like one person. And it shouldn't, it should not only look like and be accessible to white, able-bodied, wealthy, cis-het people. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a practice designed and created for all and should be. Accessible. Yes. I love, so I love where this is going. Cause we weren't planning to go here, but this is like something I feel like I want to, 
when we work in the yoga industry, like we have to talk about the exclusivity problem that we have. Mm. And we've talked so, I, I feel like the first thing we talked about was people started noticing there were no folks of color in our classes. That was sort of where that started, you know, 2015, we really started going, well, why don't people of color want to come to yoga and unpacking that? But it's so much more, as you said, like making sure that the poses feel accessible to all body types and all humans and financial barriers, all those things that we have to break down. Like, y'all, we are snobby. We have been snobby. Yes. Yes. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged, Rebecca. You know, and it, and I think it's important here, and I just want to slide this in, that people of color created yoga, right? And so yes. why aren't they in these studios? Why isn't it accessible? It, we should be asking these questions. And as folks holding the spaces, creating the spaces, making the spaces, need to create more space for that and uplifting folks of color who, who are doing the teaching, who mm-hmm. are, you know, how are we bringing them to the forefront? Um, of of these practices and in the studios. Yeah, it is part of the transition of me closing Refuel was this in, in, in essence. So in March of 2020, as I'm watching, you know, <laughs> this, this kind of hurdle forward. All of us. <laughs> um, I was, yes, yes, hurdle. Yes, absolutely. You know, I was, I had, was pregnant with our third child um, and I have a son who, um, whose immune system is, is he's not immunocompromised, but he runs the risk of some higher effects to something like COVID. And so, um, or harsher effects, I should say. And so I closed the studio before it was, I closed refuel, shut its doors before it was, we were asked here in Iowa. And I was met with some great resistance about that, right? This isn't that big a deal. It's just the flu. It's going to be over in a couple of weeks. And I was like, whoa, I don't know enough about this. I know that we have folks that come to the studio that could have harsher effects from this. Like I can't in good conscience keep my studio open when I don't have all of the information. So we shut down and ultimately we could open back up here in Iowa really quite soon, okay. um, yep. which I continued to resist and did not open and was met with emails that were like, I don't want to do yoga in my basement anymore. And when are you going to open? And why can't, you know, not any question about the health or the safety of folks that come to the studio or my family, but rather I want, I need, like, you should give it to me now um, type mentality. And, and I want to say to Decora is I had, I had support also, right. There's, you know, just like we do now, there's these, these intersections. And, um, ultimately prior to that, going a little, I'm backtracking in July of 2019, I had just completed triple yoga festivals first festival and then decided like, well, I better go check a few things out, like other festivals out. And I'd gone to actual yoga festivals and took a class with um, Michelle C. Johnson, the author of Skill in Action and Finding Refuge. And it was called 90-Minute Conversations, or Challenging Conversations for Yoga Teachers, which was really highlighting racism and equity in, in these spaces that you and I are just talking about, right? And so um, it, it cascaded this movement for me. So in July of 2019, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? That was the first place I had heard white supremacy used. I, I didn't, I, as you know, this is where I'm like guilty as charged, right? Like I yeah. did not do enough. I had not, I had not really thought about how my own identities provide privilege in this world. And, um, and so 
fast forward, then I knew that I wanted to create some change at Refuel about like who's who's got access, how are we creating more access? I um, am working with Michelle and getting her the Dreyfus Yoga Festival at that time too. Studio closes, the world stops. George Floyd is murdered, and on the yes. on the footsteps of where I grew up, and so it was another catalyst of like, oh, I've got some big changes I need to do myself in order to figure out how is this practice, how how am I how is my practice and the work I do in this, in this industry benefiting all, all Rebecca. And and I wasn't, and I didn't do enough for the community here. And we had a handicapped spot and people parked in it and I didn't to ask them to move. We called classes, all levels and they all levels does not, you can't have a vinyasa class. No, it's never all levels. It is no. never all levels. Oh my gosh, mind blown. And so through, throughout, you know, that, that 2020 and, and we ultimately chose to cancel the 2020 yoga festival out of health and safety. And I had really dove into some work with Michelle C. Johnson through her skill and action training and wanting to figure out how to, yeah, really bring my practice to the background, right? And how am I bringing forth accessibility and uplifting the underrepresented? And that is Driftless Yoga Festival took a big pivot then too. So tell us about your pivot. How did you feel? Did you feel like you would lose some of your base in that pivot? I mean, 2021, like really we have no base anymore, right? So that's one of the things I found about pandemic. The pandemic is this very freeing, right? Like there are no rules. We can do whatever the heck we want because what we were doing isn't working. How, how did you find that experience for you? Yeah. You know, there was a, and I still think we all are, right? So I center myself when I say this, but I'd like to think, I think there's a lot of grief in what's happening, right? There's yes. grief to living this, living my life in, in a lot of ignorance, right? And a lot of blissful ignorance, you know, pre-COVID, pre-the anti-racism work I've, I have tried to implement in our life, in my life and in my practice. And so, so the pivot comes with that. And yeah, you know, I lost, there was a loss. There's a big loss of base without, without a doubt, Rebecca. I mean, I think people coming to a class and expecting one thing and then maybe coming somewhere else. And when I'm now saying my pronouns and acknowledging the land that we live on is stolen, it becomes really uncomfortable for folks who might not be familiar with talking about these things. And so the festival, um, really the festival's pivot really started to move towards you know, this equity forward and social justice aspect where we're talking about trans inclusivity, where we're, where, you know, bringing folks of color to present is the, is I, I'm prioritizing. That's whose voices need to be in these conversations. And so, which then doesn't necessarily make it a happy-go-lucky festival, right? Like there's a lot of opportunities within Driftless Yoga Festival to do asana and to do other things. But but ultimately what's woven through is having some, you know, as Tristan Katz puts it, brave conversations. And so, and doing that, you know, coming back to community, kind of circling that, that back around, creating these spaces that allow us to 
ask questions and talk about liberation and what does that look like and how is this practice yeah. not 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 one person's and how is this practice for everybody and where is the accessibility and so the festival has really kind of catapulted itself in that direction in some really awesome and humbling ways because the folks that are reaching out to want to present at this festival I was like oh my gosh like you want to come here like I'm so humbled <laughs> and they're like but you're talking about the thing that other people aren't talking about in this industry and that's I, I and and not to center myself around that but I, I don't know that there's other that there's a ton of this going on in these big festival platforms right like yeah. I love that the Quad Cities Yoga Foundation is doing their conference on mental health right like let's break yeah. that conversation right open let's make let's yeah. normalize these conversations that feel uncomfortable so they become more routine more right yes. up front. I love that. And I feel like yoga as a community, we are we are set up for these conversations in ways that maybe other industries aren't. Like we have, if you're lucky, you got a teacher who talked to you deeply about philosophy. Like it's why I like hanging out with yoga people. Like we're never talking about the weather. We're talking about like, you know, like, like the deep stuff. Like, yes. like seriously, before I press record, you and I were just talking about a perigraha. Like in casual conversation, we can slide into really deep discussions. I feel like that's part of what Mm. I'm excited about to shift in the yoga industry is that we are set up to do this and do this well. If we have teachers who taught us the true philosophical backgrounds of yoga, like we've been having these conversations for years. I'll never forget. I used to host a book club at a studio that I taught at a long time ago. And people, random people from the street would come in and we would read like yoga texts and all these other sort of like books that were talking about spirituality and sort of like deepening our own knowledge about who we were in the world. Mm -hmm. And this girl, she's 19. She comes in, she was living out of her car, but had gotten the book from the library. And she sat in front of us, just random. None of us knew her. She walks in and she just goes, these are the conversations that I had in college that I miss now that I'm in my 20s. And I went, yeah, that's, Mm -hmm. this is, this is what I want to do. I want to have these conversations, those like late nights where you're like, but what is the meaning of life really? Yes. Yes. I love us for this. Like it's my favorite thing about us. (laughs) I don't want to do it so late night, Rebecca, but like, I want to have those conversations when the sun is up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I, yes, we, I, I, Yes, I I don't think there's enough 200 hour certifications that are primarily focused on the philosophy, which is the bulk of yoga, and it yeah. should be right. And so then, if anyone else is walking out of a 200 hour teacher training without having that, chances are they're going to feel a little duped, like I did, right? Like all of a yeah. sudden, here I am again, blissfully ignorant. Like, yeah, this person said this, and this person. Like, why was I not questioning? why there wasn't any people of color leading my training? Why was I not questioning, wait, where are, why isn't there more South Asians here? This is where this practice came from. Why, you know, like, yeah. So having, I love that we break these conversations wide open and it still does not mean we align on everything. There is nuance and complexity in, in every, in every, in the limbs, in the sutras, right? There is, there. So it is, yeah, yoga is 
forever. It's forever like evolving and forever rooted. And it's such a, a magical tool. I love, oh, yoga is forever. Like when we, when I post this on Instagram, that's going to be the little clip that's going to come out because <laughs> that's really good. And like, I love that, especially, and we'll get back into Driftless, but what I think you've done well that excites me is that for a long time, so I've been in yoga since like a stupid long amount of time. I've been doing this job like 20 years, like longer than really most people should be doing it. <laughs> like mostly I'm just not a quitter is how I'm still here. <laughs> And you're doing it well though, right? Trying, like, trying. And love what you do. Yeah. I do. But when I first started learning about philosophy, the philosophy was like divorced from the practice a little bit. Like we would talk about the philosophy as a thing that we would just learn, but wouldn't really apply to the actual lives that we were living. Mm-hmm. And I love now that we're starting to like mingle that together because to me, the philosophy is so real. Like this is, mm-hmm. you want to know how I'm better at making decisions? Let me hand you this book. <laughs> like, yeah. like here is the philosophy. Here's how I make decisions. Here's how I'm trying to live my life the best way I can mm-hmm. every day in a real world, living and breathing thing. And I'm excited that the industry is, catching up to that, that we're able to host things like Dripless. And you have people who are coming who are like, thank God you're here. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. I like that you're, that you're, I love that you reference like, oh, you want to know how I make decisions? This is how I make decisions. Cause I think that that's, I think, yeah, these books, these texts are still relevant yes. thousands of years later. Yes. How, we're zooming right now. For this podcast, <laughs> we could open up, we could talk about how this is in reference to a limb or, yeah. a, you know what I mean? Like it's, 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 it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how it's transcended and can continues to do so and play such a big, it needs to play, no, and needs to play a bigger role again in these practices and in these spaces and in these spaces. Okay. So later on this year, you're going to come on again and we're going to just talk about how we can do this in our spaces. I mean, I love this, these conversations, especially because from one studio owner to another, like sometimes the business, the action of running a business also divorces from the practice a little bit because there's so many things that we are dealing with on a daily basis. And we're not, studio owners are not supported very well. I mean, yoga teachers are also not supported very well. There's just frankly no Mm -hmm. net for any of us. So we all feel like we're sort of out there in the ether with no Mm -hmm. support system whatsoever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How can we make these shifts? How can we support studio owners who are like, but also, and I'll just use my own example, but also I got an email from a lady who said she didn't understand for the last nine months why her membership wasn't discounted by 35%. Like, like, like we also have to deal with that. Now I'm going to go and give her like a conscious and kind email that makes her feel welcome, but also is like, I can't be in control of you not checking your credit card receipts. Like that's not on me. (laughs) You know, Rebecca, I loved that. Yes, absolutely. And there, ultimately, I am a quitter. That is what I did. I I had to quit the studio because out of an immense amount of, yes, the pandemic and safety. And I was like, I don't know that I can handle one more email. 
I don't know yeah. that I can, that I can do that. I, that I can, can move through in this space without having imposter syndrome. I don't know. You know, like I, I, for a long time was like on the good vibes only train, right? Like only bring good vibes. And like, I couldn't good vibe it anymore. I couldn't chaturanga myself <laughs> out of, out of maintaining the studio. Right. I, yeah. I, I, I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it anymore. And, and there was, you know, there's a lot more in that. And I think there is something to be said for not quitting because, oh man, do I miss refuel? Do I miss the community? Do yeah. I miss the smell? Do I miss yep. the energy? Do I miss the smiles and the, and you know, the magic that was created in that space? There's still, I mean, we are, I'm 18 months away, 19 months away from it now. And I, there's not a moment I don't miss. And, and really ultimately I didn't really go into that studio because after, you know, like it opened in the summer for a little bit, but I was doing more outdoor things. But I think there is something to be said for, I don't always have the text, so I have to take a step back. Like these texts just, you know, like there's not, there's no right answer for me right now other than to back up and see what to do next, right? But you can't yeah. just be like, you know, I think I'm going to close for 30 days and I'll get back to you. Right. <laughs> that's, that's definitely how this, how this works, right? Um, and so, yeah, I, and I don't, there's no right answer here either. And so I no. think it's next right thing, I think is what we can yes, do. Yes, Glenn and Doyle, right? Yes, yes. Oh, Abby, I love that one too. Um, yeah, the next right thing. And so in that moment, it was the next right thing. And and now too, I think like, I want to do all the things really well and that's not possible, right? So how, yes. where am I going to funnel my, where am I? Um, again, going back to like talking about Aparyagraha and Brahmacharya, ironically enough, like, a lot of people talk about yoga and anti-racism work and yoga and accessible yoga with this like envelope of ahimsa, right? Of nonviolence and non-harming and, and radical compassion. And I think that that is true. And for me, my current practice, because I've, I've really kind of stepped off the mat, like, because I get so, I'm like, does, is this, is this for me? Like, should I be practicing yoga? Is this yoga? Yeah. I don't know. And so that part of my evolution though is, you know, brahmacharya this non-access a non-access and at the intersection of a pariagraha which is non-grasping right like my identities have given me access to excess and mm -hmm. i need to practice in 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 non-grasping that right and so yeah. like here's more for you at the dripless yoga festival i want better spaces for people i want spaces that people can come and it feels accessible with accessible yoga rolling through i want it to i want I'm so excited to have you, Rebecca, at the festival talking about yoga <laughs> as a feminist business. You know, like, I think that that is so important. And folks of color and having, you know, like all of these identities that are so often marginalized and not talked about brought to the forefront. And I, and, you know, I just, I hope the practice continues to evolve that way. Mm, that's just beautiful. Okay. We're going to end there. Mm. I'm going to ask you, what is your self-care okay. tip? For a woman who does the things, like you've been an owner and a teacher and you run a festival, what do you do for self-care? And it totally can be like me drinking hot chocolate at nine in the morning. That is a valid answer. <laughs> Which I love that answer. Love, love, love that answer. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I, I really do run on high octane. 
I know that for myself, like I said, I can't chaturanga myself out of my problems. I can't do a bicep curl, but getting up in the morning and finding space to sweat or breathe is, is so vital to me that it, it is. And it doesn't mean that I'm going and trying to burn as many calories as I can or do those things. Sometimes it's simply sitting and doing a meditation. That's still moving, right? I just, I have to carve out time before the rest of my day starts to, to be focused on just moving my body in some capacity. Sometimes that means getting on the bike. Sometimes that means sitting on my mat. Sometimes that means jump squatting and doing those things, but it also, or getting out for a run. But ultimately it is movement. Movement is my self-care. Yeah. Is my mm-hmm. self-care tip for people. Yeah. All right, Larry, tell everyone where to find you or find us this summer because mm-hmm. I will also be at Driftless Yoga yes, Festival. So <laughs> yeah, you can check out Driftless Yoga Festival's website, driftlessyogafestival.com. Um, you can also find it on Instagram and Facebook under the same name. And if you want to contact me directly, obviously I can, I get those messages, but, um, my personal account is Larie in motion on, uh, Instagram. Thank you so much for joining me today, Larie. It was a thrill, like a thrill to have you. Honored to be here and so humbled at the invitation. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I told you, right? Such a good conversation. Now, a couple of things I want to mention before we go. The first is that Working in Yoga has a brand new website that I am excited to showcase. Check it out at www.workinginyoga.com. Also, if you're interested in supporting the podcast at workinginyoga.com, you can click on the link that says support, and that will show you how you can support us at the podcast. And Finally, if you are somebody who works in the yoga industry and you're also a writer and you're interested in contributing to our blog about what it is to work in yoga, make sure you click on the Our Blog section and that will take you straight to how you contribute to our blog. Thanks so much, friends, and I'll see you next time.